1: All right, we're back for Friday night on the uh, Thunderquack podcast quarantine zone. Uh, the Thunderquack podcast is the official podcast of Thunderquack.com for those who maybe don't know, uh, and uh, you can get the Thunderquack podcast every Tuesday. You can get it early every Tuesday on Patreon.com/thunderquack, or you can wait and get it late every Friday uh, on podcast services across the galaxy but uh tonight we're doing another live stream and i've got a special guest that i'm very excited about from the wampas lair we've got carl leclerc hey carl how's it going hey buddy how you doing i'm good i'm good Uh, i'm excited to have you in here we're gonna talk about some star wars tonight
0: i Uh, suppose you can pull my arm into doing
1: that (laughs) um Awesome. For those who don't know, Carl hosts a podcast with uh, a voice that you actually heard right at the beginning of this live stream uh, with Jason Hunt, uh, who does our, um, our, our Quack intro. He actually does a lot of the intros on the ThunderQuack podcast network because he is uh, a, a prolific, uh, illustrious voice performer, actor, person. Um, and uh, he's been doing a lot of audio books lately, which is really cool. Uh, but we had him first. Thunderquack had him first, and and uh, uh, we've got him. He's all over the place. But uh, Carl, you're the other half of the Wampus
0: Layer podcast,
1: or I guess you you guys are a a, a triad in the force now, right? Um, uh,
0: we're no longer a triad. We're oh no.
1: Okay, you're back to a dyad. You were a triad for a minute, and now you're back to a dyad. It's all yes. good. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, uh, you've been talking about Star Wars on the internet. For as long as I've known you, basically, um, oh. which which at this point is a is a is a long time. It's uh, when did we meet? Twenty twelve, I guess, right? Oh, yeah, Star Wars yeah. Celebration s- s- six?
0: six. Yep. Yeah. Celebration six in Orlando. Yeah. Just time. that was a great time. And um, uh, I
1: remember when you walked up at at first, I was like, "Who is this guy? He's just like talking to us like like he's friends with all of us." And then I and then I learned like oh he does a he does a podcast with with Jason. Um, then I was like oh he seems like a pretty cool guy. And then, I, then we had our our uh, that night in the, in the in the hotel suite, which sounds lascivious, but there was more than just Carl and I there. Which I guess that only makes it sound worse. But uh, uh, we we Crystal and I ended up with a crazy awesome hotel suite because um, there were ants in our hotel room. I I the first night. So I, uh, they ended up moving us into this, into this really, really awesome suite. Uh, and we were right across from the convention center. So everybody ended up back at our place and, uh, and we just had a fun night of sitting around, just kind of shooting the breeze with, uh, with, with the whole crew. And, uh, and it was, I think it was that evening that I was like, this Carl guy's pretty good guy. I think I like this guy a lot. Uh, And then the next, and then the next celebration, we got a house. Uh, we all got a house together. So, yeah, that was iconic. Yeah, so um,
0: I'm celebrating Force Awakens. Yeah, yeah, that was great. So that
1: was that. The last time that um, we saw each other in person was at the beginning of the sequel trilogy, and here we are now uh, chatting, uh, and the sequel trilogy has come to a close, and I. Uh, I don't there's a lot of mixed feelings out there about about the sequel trilogy. Um yeah. I know the answer to this cuz I just listened to your podcast the other day, but uh let's pretend like I don't and I'll ask. Uh how, where do you fall? How do you how do you feel about the sequels?
0: Yeah, my my honest assessment is I, I I enjoyed them all in you know, for for sure. Uh I mean last Jedi initially I I really had a hard time getting my head around it. Um, I really come to love that movie, though. I think it's the most brilliant of the sequel trilogy. Um, the way it kind of pushes new ground. Um, and I, and, but Rise of Skywalker was by far my favorite. I, I had the most fun with that one. Um, but I'll say this: at the end of the day, they're good, fun Star Wars movies. But insofar as completing the Skywalker saga, I put it as an asterisk. Like, it doesn't do any. It doesn't move anything forward. It's the same. So in that regard, I think it's kind of that's where it falls short in my book mm. Um, and it's not to say that I don't like them or I think they're bad movies Um, but I think you know with the way Whenever I watch episode nine, I'm like wow that was such a great story But then when I think about how it connects to the other two movies, I'm yeah. like it Yeah, I don't know like it right. It's it's a lot of the same complaints. We've heard a million times, yeah. right? Like that they needed a stronger creative force behind everything, which I think is true um I don't blame either director, though. I think J.J. and Ryan both did phenomenal work with what was available to them. Mm -hmm. If any of the blame is to fall, it's on Bob Iger, um, no doubt about it, Um, and Disney's execs, where they think more about money signs than they do about telling a good story, which is fair. It's a company. Um, But, yeah, you know, I mean, I I really enjoyed the sequel trilogy insofar that it – it gave the star Wars mythology to a new generation. And that's really important. Um, you know, I work with like college students. I've worked with younger people um, and you know, they've latched onto it. This is their star Wars and, in, in the same way that we grew up with, you know, the originals or other people grew up with the prequels. Yeah. So I think in that regard, it, it was, it was a great success. Um, they're really fun. Star Wars stories. They um, you know, they gave us, fun new things to think about and to talk about for years to come which i'm super excited about but yeah i think and that's like to me what kind of where if, episode eight last jedi i think really um pushed the envelope and so far is all right we've got this great star wars myth let's do something new with it um and then episode nine just said no like let's just have it as the comfort food it's always been so yeah. And it's, I'm not saying that in a disparaging way. Like I, like I said, I prefer nine to eight, but I think eight opened the door to something new, and nine just kind of stayed in the comfy seat. Um, so in that regard, like when I finish the sequel trilogy as a whole, it's like I, I don't think we need this story as a fulfillment of what happened in one through six. Like I still see Return of the Jedi as the end of the Skywalker saga, and then there's like this yeah. fun asterisk that you can watch for fun. <laughs> so yeah, um, that's so like that's kind of how I fall with it. Um, you know, I think with anything, right? Like you've got to give it the test of time, right? We've we, you and I have, you know, we grew up with the original trilogy, and then the prequels have been with us for you know twenty years now. Mm-hmm. Um, so that longevity, I think, will also have um something to say about it. That being said, I mean, Force Awakens, what only four going on five years old is all. I never watched that movie anymore. <laughs> um yeah. like it was fun. I had a great time in twenty fifteen when it came out. Um. But I rarely go back and watch it. Um, I've watched episode eight a lot more in the last year than I did the first year it came out just because I really have come to love it so much more in light of episode nine. Um, So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, they're they're really good stories. Um, I think. uh, Yeah. So that's that's where I kind of land on. But I don't really I know you liked it as well. But I'm curious what your kind of overall opinion is on it.
1: Yeah. So my my relationship with the rise of Skywalker in particular is is uh, it's topsy turvy. <laughs> it's a you know what I, uh, I I've i I've in the past referred uh, to to the relationship with Star Wars as a, biz- a bit of a uh, an abusive relationship. Um, and I usually am talking about other people, but, uh, cause, because like, so I'll explain that. That sounds like a lot when you say, when you just drop it like that, there's a, there's a dynamic with a lot of people who grew up with the original trilogy, um, where they, they really, really hold those movies in high esteem. Um, and for good reason, because they're three of the greatest movies ever made. But, um, then the prequels come out and the prequels are a very different thing. They're, they're not, um, they're not the same type of films as the original trilogy. And it's, it's, it's actually really similar to there's the first three Indiana Jones movies. Um, and even within that, I would say that like Temple kind of feels weird in, in those three movies. Um, although it's my favorite. And then there's Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, which is a completely other thing. And it's much more noticeable in that because we have more historical touch points, like real historical touch points, where you can see, like, uh, Last Crusade and Raiders are very similar because they both take place during World War II. Temple of Doom, technically, in the timeline, and this is retcon, but technically, it's before Raiders of the Lost Ark. It's, it actually takes place before the war starts. Um, and which is why there's kind of no focus on. A, a thematic uh villain it's 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 very much the the story of what is happening there and there are there are broader themes but um they don't kind of tie into a historical context or or uh, they especially don't bring in the judeo-christian uh mythology uh, I, which i'm saying mythology is going to make some people bristle but but we're talking about the holy grail and the and the ark which are um in the way that they're treated and raised the lost ark they're treated as mythical objects. I And then we get to like but those are very like serialized I uh, I like pulp adventures from the 1930s and 40s, right? And then we jump ahead to Crystal Skull and Crystal Skull is not that. Crystal Skull is a B movie from the 1950s and 60s, right? It's it's them, which is the one about the giant ants that's why there's a whole sequence with fire ants in it there's also their red fire ants they're actually thematically linked into communist russia right like kingdom of the crystal skull is a boring movie i will not defend it on that it it drags like crazy throughout that film um it it's really difficult to sit through and watch but, in terms of the way that the screenplay is written and the thematic ideas that are in it, I love it. It's just it's exactly like the prequels to bring it all the way back to Star Wars. The original trilogy are are Buck Rogers, Flash Gordon, uh, uh, Edgar Rice Burroughs, uh, serialized science fiction f- fantasy storytelling, right? The prequels are are uh, Renaissance. They're actually like they're meant to be epic poems, and like Shakespeare. That's those are the the inspirations for the storytelling there, which is why there's way less of a focus on individual characters. There's way less of a focus on the um, the sort of uh, the the Campbellian myth uh, aspect of it, which is which is much more of like a Western uh, ideology of, of storytelling, and it's and it's a lot more. They're historical epics in the same way that Shakespeare wrote a lot of historical epics. Um, And uh, like I said, like sort of epic poetry and stuff like that. Right. So people who don't understand that that's what George Lucas was going for are going to have a really hard time with it in the same way that ninth graders have a really hard time with Shakespeare. Or it's like, well, I don't understand what anybody's talking about. And it's like, well, you're not supposed to really understand what they're talking about. It doesn't really matter. You're supposed to be like, don't listen to the words, listen to the inflection, listen to the to the subtext of it. And do a little bit do a little bit of homework. Do a little bit a little bit of extra lifting. And you'll actually find that there's a lot of substance underneath that. Now, the majority of the audience doesn't follow that and why would they because it's not explicitly stated at any point in time there is nothing overtly shakespearean about it other than the the one big clue that that there is in the prequel trilogy that that makes me 100% confident in this assessment of it is the love theme between Anakin and Padme it's titled starcrossed or sorry across the stars which is just a a a flip of star-crossed which is like Romeo and Juliet they are Romeo and Juliet they're destined for tragedy right like their their romance is not really romance it's infatuation with one another and it's gonna it's gonna end poorly with both of them dead uh and uh, and that's basically what happens uh it's and it's right there in the title to that love theme so I get that. I see that, but I am both a Star Wars nerd and a Shakespeare nerd. So, I'm I'm going to put those two things together. The majority of people don't see that. And to go back to the whole abusive relationship thing, Star Wars it, like it it's it's that thing of like when you were a kid, Star Wars always treated you good, right? Star Wars Star Wars was always good. Star Wars took you out to to McDonald's and got you a Happy Meal so everything was okay because that's what you remember and then when you were older you started to realize actually Star Wars said a lot of things to me kind of put me down and, and, and didn't really didn't really support me when I needed it to and, and like so you go back and you start to look back at it and you go like wait a second are those three movies as perfect as I think they are do they make as much sense as I think they do do are they, have I just been kind of glossing over some of this stuff? So it's, it's one of those things that, that when you're in an abusive relationship, it's really hard to see it. I, I, until, until like you have that kind of eureka moment of like, Oh wait, this person, I don't. And when I say abusive, I don't mean like physical, like somebody hitting somebody. I just mean like if you have a friend that always treats you like crap and they're just like, you're a punching bag to them. Um, And then you realize eventually like, oh, this person is not actually my friend. Like they are literally just using me. I'm here to to fulfill a purpose in their life and they don't really care about me. There's an aspect of that is very similar to I think a lot of people's relationship with Star Wars. I think it's one of the things that we're seeing online right now with a lot of people's reactions is that you've got kids who grew up with the prequels. And then later came to uh, I, uh, enjoy the, the the original trilogy as well. And now there those kids are adults now, right? In the same way that we became adults during the prequels. Um, and they're they're looking at the sequels and going like, "This isn't what I thought Star Wars was. I thought Star Wars was this thing that I remember from when I was a kid," and they watch the prequels and the original trilogy and it's all nostalgia the whole thing including clone wars now right like that's all nostalgia and then when you experience it in real time you you don't have nostalgia for the force awakens or the last jedi or the rise of skywalker um, the Force Awakens has some some uh, uh, manufactured nostalgia in it, right? Like just by its nature of 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 having like the Millennium Falcon coming back and like and all of the the classic characters and stuff like that. Um, the Last Jedi, I think, one of the reasons why it ruffled so many feathers is because of how different it was, and because, in fact, it 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 didn't have the same nostalgia um, for me. I personally, The Last Jedi is my favorite saga film, so I I am kind of yeah, past that. I, I well, I love Ryan Johnson as a filmmaker. Like all of his movies that I've seen, I the only one I haven't seen is Brick. Um, but everything else, like I love his stuff. I think that he is a genius. Knives Out is one of the best movies of last year like that that movie is so genius and so fun and so meticulously crafted as what like looper was as well and and to me like he's only gotten better with every movie that he makes he, he kind of ups himself um and and invites new challenges and stuff like that um and and i think that like there's a lot of things in the in The Last Jedi that a lot of people I think go like, "Well, that was dumb. That doesn't make sense. That seems like a mistake. He didn't think that through." And having studied some of his other movies, I'm like, there's not there's nothing in those movies that he didn't think through. E- everything is there for a reason. It's absolutely it, the same as I'll say for the prequels. If if the audience in general doesn't get all of that stuff, then as a filmmaker, you've, you've kind of whiffed the ball a little bit. But that doesn't mean that they, they, you know, like, I don't think that that makes him a, a filmmaker. I also don't think that George Lucas is a bad filmmaker. I think that they are focused on different things. Um, I think that that George Lucas is focused on technology. I think he's focused on uh scope and magnitude and the small stuff. Yeah, it kind of slips through the cracks with him. I think that um I think that Ryan Johnson was so focused on breaking Star Wars out of the um the the Campbellian monomyth um because of the fact like and Everything that Ryan Johnson did, I think he did as a response to what J.J. had put in The Force Awakens, and I think that's the most important thing to keep in mind. Is that like you, when you watch the director in the Jedi, and you listen to him talk about it, it's not about like like you actually you had this clip in that episode that you did recently where he says like I had to justify why Luke Skywalker would turn his back on the galaxy, right? He's dealt a hand, and then he has to play it. But it's not his hand; it was somebody else's hand. But he still has to play it, and he has to play it the best way that he knows how. And that's what he did. And he was handed the main character, this protagonist of Rey, and not not given the full scope of what was going on with that character, which is a huge mistake. Like that's that is the the central piece that is missing th- that connects all three movies jj did one thing and apparently had an idea if you listen to what he says in the rise of skywalker uh, the skywalker legacy documentary i think he's full of it i don't think that he really in the force awakens knew where he wanted it to go by the third movie i think that he was creating a mystery box which he always does that's it's just his deal um But, but I, I think that like the, the core of that was, okay, here's Ray and, and he goes, okay, well, this is a, this is our protagonist. She's not Luke Skywalker because we've already seen Luke Skywalker. And in fact, we've seen Luke Skywalker twice because we saw Luke Skywalker in the original trilogy. And we got hints during the original trilogy of like, Hey, you're following in your father's footsteps. Don't make the mistakes that he did. And then, 20 odd years later, George Lucas goes, okay, here's the mistakes that he made and tells the story of Luke Skywalker again from a different point of view. Um, but I- instead of it being the hero's journey, it's a villain's journey. So so I think Ryan Johnson looked at it and okay, we can't just do the hero's journey again a because it's already been done now twice. it's been done and then inverted. And and I think that he looked at it and went, it's like Ray, it's right there. The answer is right in front of you. It's a heroine's journey, right? I can't get too deep into that stuff because I'm still studying that. I'm still trying to to learn what that means and understand the feminine gaze and and all of these things that I think that Ryan Johnson actually knows really really well and puts in the the Last Jedi uh, in a in a very impactful way. Um, and it's only been in talking about Star Wars with female fans that I've started to to realize there's a whole other aspect to these movies that I haven't been privy to because I'm, I'm using my male lens to, to view it. Right. Um, yeah. and, and now that I'm stepping outside of that and, and, to be honest, it's because I, I screwed up. I messed up and, and and jumped into a conversation and said some things that I shouldn't have said to the Raylo community, not realizing what I was saying, right? Not coming from a bad place, but just like using my perspective, right? And and my perspective was inherently harmful in that conversation. And I didn't realize that until after I'd already stepped in it. it caused the whole kerfuffle, got just roasted. <laughs> By this community and really shown that I was out of my depth and I didn't have any business entering into the conversation in the way that I did. Um, and that I needed to do a lot more observing before talking a lot more listening instead of speaking. Um, but now that I've done I would say a good a good chunk of that, and and having one on one conversations as opposed to a conversation with a somebody I didn't know, uh, uh, and and be sort of inviting the entire community to be a part of that, um, but instead having these one on one conversations with a few friends that I made out of that situation, um, I'm starting to not just realize that there's this whole other aspect to in particular, the sequel trilogy and, and Ray and Kylo Ren story, but that actually, um, it should be 100% central to the story. It should be a lot more clear than it is. And I love the tidbits of it that we do get like these little sort of snippets and, and in, in learning that I actually love that. And then, because I love it now digging deeper into it, uh, beginning to understand that, that, I don't think that J.J. Abrams was putting this stuff in in the first film on purpose. Um, I think that there's some happenstance. I think there's some serendipity there. I think that Adam Driver made a few decisions that pushed it in this direction. And I think that Ryan Johnson picked up on that stuff. And then he took it and cranked that knob to 11 to the point that there's what must be a Pride and Prejudice reference in the last Jedi when we see Kylo Ren shirtless, which is this total flip of the way that we are used to viewing uh, film. Um, and, and I think for a lot of guys in that movie, it was like, whoa, Oh, Whoa, what's, what is this? And we have the same reaction that Ray does of like, could you please put something on? Um, but, but it's actually like that, that romantic angle is so important to, um, to what ryan johnson was trying to establish um b- between these two characters and i didn't get that i, t- I totally missed all of that subtext because i wasn't that way now that i have it post rise of skywalker i go back and and revisit the whole thing and it's like oh this is what this trilogy was about it was about something completely different and i was viewing it wrong um incorrectly uh and uh, and now when i view it i'm like okay Okay, I think I'm starting to get it. Now I understand why there's a lot of, of female fans, uh, not even female fans, but feminine fans that they, they are not happy with the way that this story turned out. And initially I was like, Ben Solo dies. That, the, the narrative structure of uh, Western storytelling tells us that he has to die. He's murdered people. That's a, it's a cardinal sin. And and in screenwriting, that's what happens. If you murder somebody, there's no coming back from it. You don't just get to like like redeem yourself by doing a nice thing. And like the in order to make up for that cardinal sin, you have to commit the ultimate sacrifice, right? Like that's how the mono myth is supposed to work. It's what happens with Vader. Why would we want what happened with Vader to happen again? And also It's not it's not that type of story. Um and both Ray and Ben Solo at the end of that story kind of deserve to 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 have an opportunity to to be with another person who understands them. So instead of getting that, Ben Solo dies and Ray is alone. She's just she's just alone at the end of the movie. Uh, and although she's found her family and all of that stuff and, and those themes are there, finding your family is very different from finding a person who truly understands what you've been through and who you are inside. Right. Like that's a partner, not uh, a, a found family. Right. The different these are different things. And I love the themes of found family in Star Wars, particularly in the sequel trilogy. The moment at the end where they all hug is is a great moment it's it's so well executed and the performances are off the charts but then we get that the coda at the end of the movie that is just like Ray off by herself with BB-8 and Ben Solo's ghost doesn't even show up to that party Anakin Skywalker is not there it's like it's such a sour taste in my mouth. And it's every time I watch the movie, I watch through that whole movie and I'm like, this is fun. This is exciting. I don't know what my problem is. I'm being so silly about all of this. And then we get to the end and, and actually the turning point is when, is when Kylo Ren says, uh, you have his power. Right. And it's like, just takes everything away from Ray. And that's not that's not the character doing that. That was the screenwriters doing it, of saying like, "Oh no 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 no! Everybody, she's not a nobody. She's a Palpatine." It's that's you. Got, I know you guys needed an explanation for why a woman can have power. Uh, it's because of Emperor Palpatine. Oh, thank God, it connects to the other six movies. Uh, uh, and then and then they kind of wipe their hands, and the rest of the movie is just Palpatine monologuing, and none of none of the other characters really get to do much of anything uh, except like Ben has a, has a good moment of uh, uh, showing up to the rescue. Like there are cool things in there, but it's just, it falls so short of, I think what it needs to be in order to finish that, to finish their story. Instead of, instead of it finishing Ray and Finn and Poe and Kylo's story, it finishes Palpatine's story, which was finished. Nobody was asking for an end to Palpatine's story, and yet, the last half of that movie—that's all it is. That's all it's about. It's everything revolves around Palpatine, 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 and Poe Dameron just circles the the battlefield for half an hour. He doesn't do anything in that fight, and that is just tragic to me. Like that's just the worst thing you can do with that character, is that you and like, he goes through everything. He goes through. <laughs> in these three movies and he comes out the other end and he's like, you're the general now. And it, and he's in the fight and partway through the fight, he goes, ha uh, guys, this is really hard. I give up. And then Lando shows up to be like, don't give up. And it's like, no, that should have been, it should have been Poe's moments. It should have been Poe's moment. Captain America doesn't stop at the end of end game and go like Thanos, you beat me. And then everybody shows up. He get he's being beaten and he goes, he stands up and without saying it says, I can do this all day. And then everybody shows up and says, it's okay. We got your back. And that's what the moment should be. And it's a, it's, it's so annoying that we got what it should be in a different movie to compare it to. But I did a whole Twitter rant about that. I just talked for a really long time. Carl react to what I just said. It,
0: Ah, Well, I I mean, I love a lot of what you said. Uh, I disagree with some of what you said. Um, I I really push back against people that say Ray ends up alone at the end. That's not what it's about. Um, So I I, I get really annoyed by that take because it's also given fire to a lot of hatred towards J.J. Abrams. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's something I think is important to keep in mind, that there are a lot of fans out there that are acting just as belligerent is the last Jedi haters. Oh, so for sure. I think it's important we don't sweep that under the rug. Yeah. Um, you know, cause yeah, I mean, you see these tweets where it's like if I had two bullets and a gun with Hitler and whatever there, I'd put two in JJ. It's like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> like, you're a horrible human. Like it's a story. You didn't yeah. like, get over it. Um, so you know, you're missing the point of tattooing if you think it's about Ray being there alone. Now, is it a perfect ending? That's up for debate. Sure. I'm totally on board with you, Mike, about Ben Solo's ghost not being there. That's just stupid. Um, Like there's no excuse for Ben not being there. Um, But she's not going there to live there. Um, I'd also push back that Rey and Kylo being romantic is a necessity. I don't think it's a necessity. Um, I think the Force diet is something that I'm fascinated by. I really wish they'd done more with that. Either in the movie itself, or again, it'd been something that was set up in seven, um, but uh, but it's not. So you know, I th- I think culturally we don't need another story about partners always being romantic. We've had enough of that too. So that's sometimes my pushback about Ray and Kylo needing to be romantic. It's also important to note that it shouldn't be Ray and Kylo. It should be Ray and Ben. Yeah. Right? She should never be the villain. Um. So. You know, like, I think that's important to point out as well. Um, so that being said, like, uh, I love that they have found each other's person in one another, but that doesn't necessarily mean it needs to be romantic. So my interpretation, actually, and part of the reason I love that she takes the name Skywalkers, in a way, I see it as Ray saying she is Ben's steps, like, stepsister or something. Like, um, I got some pushback when I posted something about that myself on Twitter. People, and, you know, obviously they kiss and... Um, is the kiss romantic or not? I mean, I feel like it is because you don't kiss someone on the mouth. If it's just like a friend. I don't think. Yeah. I don't know. Um, no, that kiss
1: is romantic, a hundred percent. But yeah, yeah.
0: But you're right. We've heard time and time again of whether or not it was even going to be in there. Um, you know, I think it's touching, and it's it, it is. I've come to really enjoy it in the moment. Um, I think it is really touching and beautiful, but I think it also just even if you just go the route of oh they end up together that's still a story trope we've heard a million times um and as someone who lives in a world without a romantic partner uh, to say that you need that i think is is a really shortchanging people of other relationships they they can construct in life um so i was a big fan of them being each other's person in a new way and We just went the easy way (laughs) we kissed, you know, and then he dies. (laughs) So, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's it's kind of weak the way it falls apart like that And again, that's why like I don't want to like get super negative because I overall I do really enjoy the movie But yeah, it falls short of everything that episode 8 offered us Um, And like I love to own the fact that I was about episode 8 like I I really didn't care for it for the first few months It was out Um, I mean there were moments I really enjoyed and there's there's still a lot of moments I don't particularly like in episode 8 Overall, and this is kind of like something I was doing in like this solo podcast I did the other day, which is essentially I looked at how like JJ rose, raised the question, a very good question for episode seven, which is why do we tell the Star Wars myth, right? Like that was kind of the, the question posed to all the creative minds. And then, like, you know, you point out, Mike, like, Ryan then takes that question and does something else. And I think Ryan attempts to answer it by saying, we take it in a new direction. We tell a new story, right? We don't recreate the monomyth. We don't recreate Joseph Campbell's story. We've heard that twice. We don't need it again. So Ryan kind of said, let's go somewhere new with it. And then again, it was handed back to JJ and he just kind of, you know, flopped us back down in the beanbag chair and said, hey, isn't this fun? And hell yeah, it's fun. <laughs> but it really complete the story right um, so that's like again like I said kind of at the top like that's why to me the sequel trilogy has now become an asterisk um, and mm. and I'll like this is the, the, the reaction I had at my first viewing of Last Jedi and my reaction I had at my first viewing of Rise of Skywalker I'll, I'll never forget so I remember Last Jedi I said to the group of friends over this I was like wow that was a phenomenal movie I just don't know if it was a good Star Wars movie like, hmm. that was kind of what I had to figure out for myself for a long time. Because, again, it was a new kind of Star Wars movie. Um, but what I said at the end of Episode Nine the first time was, I was like, wow, that was a great fan film. Because um, that's it, kind of what it felt like, right? We got yeah. all the, like, old Empire beats and, like, all these fun, legendary stories we grew up with. um. You know, and we all thought we might have wanted well, – a lot of people were like, that's what I want to see on the big screen. Well, we kind of got it with Episode Nine, And I – I'm happy. I mean, I'm I'm fine saying like, yeah, I don't think that's what I wanted. <laughs> yeah. Um, right. So that being said, it's still my favorite of the sequels. Um, I enjoy it more than a lot of the Star Wars movies at this point. I just I, I have so much fun watching it, and I do love Rey in that movie so much. Yeah. Um, I really, really uh, love this character who's really struggling to to figure out her identity. Um, and I love that she takes the name Skywalker. There, and I know a lot of people don't. Um, and that's totally valid and and when she takes the name Skywalker, yes, she ultimately fails the heroine's journey <laughs> Um, I mean again, like you said about Kylo, she doesn't but the screenwriters do mm-hmm. um So, you know, like I think there were there's just a lot of missed opportunities with episode nine But I feel like when I watch it on its own and just kind of enjoy it in that moment I'm like, yeah, this is a really fun star wars movie But taken as a whole as a part of a trilogy and taken as the final ch- you know chapter of the, uh, what's now a nine part story. I don't think it cuts it. Um in that regard. So, and I remember making that comment like after seeing it a few times and by that point I was really enjoying it, but the thing that I just posed was like I feel like it's a really fun good Star Wars movie, but it doesn't answer the question of why did we need the sequel trilogy? Right? Yeah. yeah. Um so like and that's how I still just kind of stand with it. Um I just I mean, what we like to do on in, in the Wombas Lair anyway, like with the podcast, is we just like to focus on what we enjoy about all these movies. So yeah. we try our best not to be overly critical. I mean, usually when we do like our first initial reaction episodes, we obviously have some of our critiques in there. Um, we try not to, uh, you know, spend too much energy on that because there's enough of that crap on Twitter, um, which is why I'm often taking Twitter breaks because Star Wars Twitter fans, I find to be some of the most obnoxious people in the world. Yeah. Um. The, from, the, from both sides, to be completely honest. Like, oh, I yeah. It's a side is is, um, vindicated of
1: that. Yeah. Twitter has created this really weird um, phenomenon where, and it's not just star Wars. I think it's in a lot of fandoms where uh, people just shout into the void. And then on occasion, the void shouts back and then the void gets into a shouting match with itself. And It's just, it's, it's so disconnected from reality and, and people don't stop to look and realize that there's another human being on the other end of, of the keyboard and, and they're just, they're just going at it. And it's very, it's different from Facebook where like on Facebook, everybody you interact with on Facebook is either someone you've chosen to be friends with or, uh, is friends with somebody that, you know, right. For for the most part. I mean, like if you're in groups and stuff like that, then maybe you go outside of that. But but just from from its its sort of uh, inception, it's meant to be for like you know the people that you already know. So if you know another person, you're not gonna say certain things, right? Because you know that there's a person on the other end. But when uh when an egg, I uh, that that uh, says that I'm an idiot for not liking a thing or for liking a thing, uh, tells me that I'm stupid. Like uh, you know like I'm don't tell that egg to stick it up their egg hole. I, I don't know like it just you it's so like dehumanized that it's easy to just go on there and just say negative things and be and be negative um, but that's why like I, I think that podcasting is a really great thing um, and it's different from YouTube I think the the community is pretty different because um, YouTube is all about monetization and ads and stuff there's a lot of people doing podcasts who are making no money and they're happy doing that. Um, I would, I would count myself amongst them, even though we make a little bit of revenue now, but, um, it's certainly not enough to stop doing anything else that I have to do to pay the bills. But, uh, <laughs> I I, it, it like people on, on podcasts, I think just tend to kind of like, it's going to sound weird, but kind of like speak their truth, like just kind of talk from the heart as opposed to the, I'm going to do something for clicks sort of mentality that's generally on YouTube.
0: Yeah, I should say that's
1: prevalent on YouTube. It's not like there aren't people on YouTube doing what we do on podcasts. But yeah, it, it's it is difficult. I mean, going through the final season of Star Wars Resistance was really hard for me because I I realized partway through that season like this show's just not made for me. Like, it's made for a different kind of person, and other people really love this show, and I just don't. I'm just I'm just really bored by it, and I want it to be the Clone Wars or Star Wars Rebels, and that's not fair because that's not what it's trying to be. It's trying to do something different, and I don't like what it's trying to do. That doesn't mean it's bad, um, and so it's really hard to then... Be positive from week to week and find the things that you love about it when it's like, man, I just if they just did this differently or just tweaked this, it would be the show that I want it to be. Right. But it's really hard to let go of that. And I think most people aren't doing the introspection to understand that that's how they feel about something. So, um, yeah, it's well, you know, it's, it's it's a it's a tough thing to deal with.
0: Yeah. And that's a You know, that's a good point. Like, um, I mean, I've never had a personal Twitter page and I thought about it briefly. I was like, oh, maybe I should just start my own, so that I can, you know, share some of my own stronger opinions without it being attached to the podcast. But I was like, you know what? What's the point? Most of the people, like you said, like people yelling into a void. I don't really care. Yeah. And most of the people doing the yelling are the, to be blunt, kind of the ignorant ones that don't want to have that dialogue. They yeah. don't want to have their minds changed, right? Um, I'm, and I think you're kind of the same. Like like you kind of gave the example of getting that conversation with those, you know, some folks from the Raylo community, right. We're not afraid to admit when we're wrong. We're not afraid to, you know, like I, 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 own that all the time about like the first few episodes we did about last Jedi. I, I, I was a bit of a negative Nancy and, and that's fine. Like it's okay to, I don't think, I mean, I never, never toxic. I don't think, but, um, you know, but to anybody who really loved the movie, I don't think I would have wanted to have listened to me talk about it at that time. <laughs> um, yeah. but, uh, you know, I also, have loved learning more of its intricacies and learning from the people that have really loved it, who've taught me kind of more about the story and it's opened my world to, you know, really Mm -hmm. enjoying it more. Um, And you know, that's kind of the thing with, you know, doing podcasts. I like the way you put it, that you, you do tend to like reveal more of what's in your heart. And I think a lot of the advantage of that is because you're doing it usually with somebody that you know very well, right? Mm -hmm. Like Jason, and I have been doing the Wambus there for over eight years. Um, We've gotten to know each other very, very well. Um, and it's easier to express exactly what you're feeling because sometimes you forget that you're doing it for an audience even, yeah. right? Like just, you're just, I mean, Jason and I started the show literally because we just wanted to stay in touch and talk Star Wars. <laughs> um, and, you know, we're fortunate enough that other people would even want to listen to that. Um, and I think that's true of a lot of podcasts. And I think when you get people of like minds, somet- sometimes they reveal some ugly th- things that are in their hearts because there are some podcasters out there that say some pretty messed up things. <laughs> Um, and, uh, you know, and it, it reveals the kind of people they really are. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, so yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's just a very interesting medium. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like this was a, a complaint I've had about the Disney era of star Wars, which I, I don't cling to as much anymore cause we're far enough into it that I don't think there's any changing it, but kind of my early complaint which was like, slow down, right? Yeah. Like pump the brakes, which they've learned their lesson, right? Like they learned that through solo. They've learned it through other projects. Um, I'm with you. Like I, I enjoyed the first season of resistance for the most part. Um, like I was pleasantly surprised by it. Um, I had no expectations though. So I think that helped. I have not watched one episode of season two and honestly I don't plan on it cause like I've, I've just heard how boring it's and It is. And it's just like, Oh, I'd rather I'll rewatch Mandalorian <laughs> instead. Right? Like, um, and, and I'm okay with that because I don't think resistance was made for me. And that's cool. I'm glad they're making it for other people. Um but uh, you know, the thing the thing that we've kind of been robbed of in the Star Wars Disney era is that opportunity for introspection, right? Like think about growing up with Star Wars in the, the Lucas film era with George Lucas at the helm. Um and it's is not to like deify George. I mean, there's two people that there's too many people that do that, which I think is also silly. But Right. We got a new project every couple of years. And in between those years, you just kind of dived into that. Right. And even if it wasn't your favorite, it's kind of all you had. Mm-hmm. So right, it's like you kind of learn to love it or you just move on. Um, whereas now it's like, well, I hated that. Well, that's OK, because I've got this. And it's like, OK. Right. So it doesn't really it doesn't even really warrant you to take the time to be a little more introspective because, you know, something else is right around the corner that you might get to like more. And I'm not saying that that's bad. I just feel like that's in my own experience. So, um, and I'm, I'm, I obviously don't speak for every Star Wars fan at all. We're all so unique in, in, in intricate in the way we love Star Wars, but I view it as something very special and I want the time to really digest it. And as much as I'm, you know, I'm going to be the first in line at every single premiere if I can be right. Whether it's every three years or every other month, like I'll be there. Um, but Kind of like, I, you know, going to your example earlier of the abusive relationship, right? Like, I mean, I want to be there every month, but I'm going to be. <laughs> <you know>? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, like it's 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 just a it's just a funny change of time, right? Like, I think um, Disney in a lot of ways, it, it just it's a mega corporation. I have a lot of problems with mega corporations um, because there's no real heart, their soul in them. (laughs) You know, did Walt Disney start it that way? Probably not. I don't know. Um, George Lucas became a corporate director, but it never lost its heart and soul from things I've heard. Um, so I don't know, you know, it's, it's just, it's kind of this different era. And, um, and I think episode nine is kind of a, kind of a sad casualty of that. And so far as you know, the, the biggest flaw of that movie was, I think a lot of people would agree is that it just, it needed more time to be thought through and written better. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it, they didn't give it that time because they they had a, it needs to be done here. This is when it needs to be done. Get it done. Yeah. Right. So how does it how does a creative artist work under that type of pressure? And it's just like, yeah, like that's that's a problem. Yeah. Um, there there, there so are
1: there are so many issues in the Rise of Skywalker screenplay. Um and and what ends up in the movie and and it's stuff like the it's stupid stuff that bothers me for the most part. It's the it's the dagger, right? Like yes. why did Ochi make a dagger specifically that like lines up with the, it's such a dumb gimmick., yep. but it's the sort of thing that like when you're in the heat of it and you're trying to problem solve these different pieces of the story, and you're already in production and you've got a deadline and you have to get this movie done. You don't have time to stop and go, does that make sense? Does that absolutely, like, what are they going to say? And you don't, because JJ's already on to the next thing. Right? He's like, you see him in the documentary, pick it up, and he's like, yeah, no, this one could work. And like, they put it up, and then, and then they come up with the idea to like have a thing pop out of it and point at it. And it's like, okay, we'll figure out the rest of that later. And then he's like, you could tell he like moved on to another warehouse and was on to the next problem that he had to solve as the director. And, um, you know, some people are better at doing that than others. Some movies have more time or freedom to to problem solve that stuff. A Star Wars movie doesn't, and needed more than a year and a half, um, because that's that's what he got. Like he he came in late again, just like on the Force Awakens, um, and had to pull this this. F- out of the fire. Uh, and now that we've seen that Duel of the fates screenplay, we kind of know the state that the movie was in going into that decision from Kathleen Kennedy of like, not Colin Trevorrow. You're out. You, you, this isn't working. Uh, let's bring in, let's bring JJ back in. Um, it, it, it it's unfair to judge it on the, at this, in the same way that you judge the other, like the original three films or even especially, one two and three like one two and three like george lucas just he just did what he wanted he had as much time and as much money and resources as he wanted like he just he made the movies he wanted to 100 percent. everything he cared about getting on the screen is on the screen right like he did it he did his thing is that necessarily what everybody wanted from a star wars movie I would argue it's not, but, but he certainly made the movies that he wanted to make. And then everybody gave him crap for it. And he went, I don't want to make movies anymore. And I don't blame him because if you did exactly what you wanted to do, um, and used all of your resources to do it. And then everybody was like, these are poopy. You would be like, cool. Well, you guys are poopy. I'm going to sell it. Um, and now we're left with Disney doing it, but people have such a funny nostalgic rose tinted perspective on George Lucas making star Wars. Um, so when they're like "Oh, clone wars, it's such a, it's such a great example. Well, you guys hated George when he said halfway through clone wars, uh, yeah, all those books about the Mandalorians, I don't care what's written in any of them. This is what I think Mandalore is. And Karen Travis like lost it online for, for I think good reason. um, and uh, uh, they just erased a bunch of books that were canon um, and characters that were beloved and and uh, and everybody hated George when that happened but now that we've got either Ryan or JJ to hate George Lucas is the savior right? He's the he. oh if only George could come back to it and it's like really? Do you really want how old? He's gotta be in his 70s now right? Uh, yeah like you really want that guy coming back and making a Star Wars movie now? Because I think that he would agree his best years are behind him in terms of filmmaking. He's got other stuff that he wants to do uh, with the time that he's got left. So uh, uh, And I can't wait for that museum to open up in Los Angeles so that I can see what his passion project has been for the last few years since he since he sold Star Wars. Um, but for my money, Solo is the best movie since since Disney... I, I took took over and uh, by all accounts, it shouldn't be because of all of the problem that it had in production. But uh but that movie loves Star Wars and it loves Star Wars fans for loving Star Wars. And I know that because there's a Masters of the Terras reference in the movie. And like that's about as deep as a deep cut gets. Um, and, uh, and 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 the rest of that movie is just so perfectly made. Um I love that movie to me is that's yep. what star Wars should be going forward. Um, and it's unfortunate that it probably won't be because of how that movie was received, but like, let's get away from the, the ridiculous having to one up yourself to the point that Palpatine's just shooting lightning into outer space. Um, cause that was, that's just a bridge too far for me. Like it just takes me out of the movie. Um, let's focus on character and let's have a fun adventure and let's worry less about whether or not the whole galaxy is at stake and worry about what's at stake for
0: the characters that we love. Right. And that's what solo does so well. Um, I mean, yeah, I can't get on board enough with you there. I mean, solo is yeah. my second favorite Star Wars movie. So <laughs> I loved that movie. I think, yeah. I think it's flawless. Um, Yeah. It's so good and and I would see I would you know I'd say the same thing is true of Mandalorian. I think Mandalorian has Mm -hmm. done a phenomenal job of Uh, so right like that that episode I made by myself. I called it balancing the past and the future um And And I would say in in the sequel trilogy again ryan johnson does the best job of that um JJ is very past oriented, right? He's super nostalgia um and and there's there's dude, I mean, I I think any Star Wars fan would be a liar if they would say, oh, there's no nostalgia involved in my Star Wars fandom. Hell, yeah, there is. And yeah. that's good and great. But if that's all it is, I feel like that's just that's not enough. Right. Um. So, you know, so like, I mean, I know you heard this, but I, I really stand firmly behind like my my thesis about these the sequel trilogy writers, which is um. You know uh, JJ was focused on what Star Wars meant to him and those are the stories he told right so that's but That's an angle looking back. He's thinking about all the fun memories He had as a kid and he wants to tell those stories again Whereas Ryan who equally loves Star Wars, I would say just as much as JJ Um also said I love this so much. How can I move it forward? Right so and I think those are both Fair angles to take and I think it, it comes down to which did you prefer um, and the funny thing is, is while I have the most fun with episode nine, I definitely prefer what last Jedi I did to the other two movies by far. Um, and, and what I would say about so bringing that back to Mandalorian, I feel like what Jon Favreau and Dave Filoni have done is craft this wonderful story that is something totally new but is constantly giving homages and nods of respect to what's come before, but never at the expense of the story. Mm -hmm. Right. Like you're like, holy shit, did you see that in the background? And it's like, yeah, like uh, somebody who's been a fan of star Wars for, you know, 25, 35, 40 years, they're going to notice these fun little things that, you know, these guys who have that nostalgia as well kind of slip in there, but it's never like, that's never the main driving force of the story. I feel like so in Mandalorian, I would say probably the weakest chapter, in my opinion, is chapter uh, five going back to Tatooine. Like, I don't think we needed that. Um, like, I am not saying I don't like the episode. I thought it was a it's a or not, is that chapter five? Uh Yeah. Yeah. That's chapter five. Yeah. yeah. Chapter five. Um That's I thought that was the weakest of the of the series. Um That and six, actually, I thought five and six were both kind of. The weaker ones, the only my only problem with chapter six, to be fair, is I can't stand Bill Burr. He does not belong in Star Wars Um, either. And same is true of the fat guy with the gray beard, Um, also an actor that does not belong in Star Wars. They pulled me out of that every time they were on screen. Um, That's other than that, I I, I get
1: where you're coming from with that. I like both of them in it, but I get where you come from. Oh,
0: I can't stand Bill Burr at all. So just shut up. He's so stupid. <laughs> so His public persona just makes me want to vomit. So seeing him in Star Wars is just annoying. Um, but that being said, chapter six is a great, it felt like a great Clone Wars episode. Um, yeah, it does. Yeah. It
1: really does. And it's funny because Matt Lanter's in it. So uh, yeah. yeah.
0: But chapter five, again, is the, is the, I would say the one that leans most heavily on nostalgia. And I think yeah. that's why it's the weakest. Because um, it, it, did the least amount of pushing the story forward. Um, like, I, gotta, I, I got I get. I have a
1: podcast episode that I need you to listen to uh, from uh, What the Force podcast, where it might turn you around on it, because because uh, okay. because I think it like that that episode actually plays a really really important role in in uh, in Dinjarin's journey, um, and I, I won't I won't spoil it or anything, that, but I I do think. Okay. I think that like I, there might be a perspective that you're not that 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 didn't click for you. That once you see it, you might go, oh, "Actually, that's pretty good. That's a pretty good way to go about it." But I get what you're saying about like it wasn't necessary to go back to Tatooine and 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 sort of dig around in the past in that way. But um, yeah. I also do I do like that aspect because I like to go back to Mos Eisley and see that um, winning the war didn't necessarily do what we thought it would do, right? They, they you know like there's some parts of the civilized galaxy that I think end up um, in a better state. but but for Tatooine, it's actually worse. It's actually like the gangsters don't even care anymore. It's just nobody's around. It's just a it's just a ghost town. like like most Iceland has just it's just lost what magic it had uh back in the in the uh days of the 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 empire. So it's I think that's an interesting perspective because it kind of puts what um what the client says uh uh into a an interesting light when you yeah. see that. Um but yeah.
0: Um yeah but anyway I'm gonna make this kind of my last point because it's, yeah. it's 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 I, getting um, late. Yeah. Getting late on the East Coast here. But um <laughs> uh yeah, I think good, like moving forward, though, good Star Wars projects will will have to really navigate that kind of balancing act, right, of balancing the nostalgia with also doing something new. Um, and I think that's again, and that's why I think Mandalorian works so well. Um, I think even Solo works very well in that regard. Um, right. Like, of course, I want a Star Wars story to tap a little bit of my nostalgia. Of course I do. Um, I Again, personally, of course I do. But I also want something new. I want something that, you know, pushes the story forward a bit and makes me think a little bit differently. Um, so yeah, it's a tall order. I don't envy any Star Wars creative writer, (laughs) to be honest, because because the world's also super unforgiving. Um, but you know, I, I think it can be done. Uh, a a good buddy of mine (laughs) made a comment, uh, Shortly after Rise of Skywalker came out and he was just like, you know what? Imagine what the sequel trilogy would have been like if they had just handed it to Favreau and Filoni to write. I was like, oh, what a great point. Um, although I don't know that they were, the, I don't know that they'd be the two to write those stories. But because um, it's pretty clear Favreau just had a fun idea that he wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And then Filoni getting it to it was kind of the perfect, the perfect medicine. So not that I, I am not one of those people that worships Dave Filoni. I, I think he's an incredibly flawed Star Wars creative, to be honest. <laughs> um, I will never be able to forgive World Between Worlds. <laughs> so <laughs> that's like the one thing that I always get super bent out of shape about.
1: Yeah, you um, don't like that? You don't like uh, uh, Ahsoka escaping uh, death or just the... I
0: don't. Yeah. I, I don't like pure fantasy in star Wars. Gotcha. Um, I also don't like Ahsoka escaping death. Yeah. Uh, I love Ahsoka, but I really think it would have been important for Vader to kill her. Um, so, but yeah. that's my, opinion. it's fine. I'm, I love that she's still around though. That being said, like I can't wait to see the stories and the adventures yeah. we're going to get with her moving forward. Um, cause she's one of my favorite star Wars characters. Um, but yeah, world between worlds, just it, it, I, I just want to kind of stop respecting Rebels. So it's not <laughs> that's it's so funny. I, my, my comments about Rebels are always the same. It's it's given me some of my favorites. I mean, Kanan is by far one of my favorite Star Wars characters. Mm-hmm. He's phenomenal. And and Hera's right up there as well. Um, And yet, it just got, it. I don't know, just it, as an overall series, it really didn't work for me. So, but that's me. And I love that others have really sunk their teeth into it. But anyway, anyway I've talked enough. I need to go to bed. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> thanks for having me on dude. I appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. Well, thank you for being
1: on. I'm glad that we could finally connect like this. We, we need to make sure that it's not so long in between, uh, uh, podcasting opportunities. Um, but, uh, we'll figure that out. We'll figure it out. Um, thank you for being on. Uh, people should go check out the Wampus layer podcast if they want to hear more about what Carl thinks of star Wars. Um, and uh, I, I dig in deeper to, to all of the things that we talked about tonight um, I can't recommend it highly enough I don't listen to very many Star Wars podcasts anymore and uh, Wampus layer is one that I I do like check in with you guys on a regular basis um, just to kind of see where you're at because because you and you and Jason always have some good perspectives on Star Wars and I appreciate that so so it, it's got my seal of approval. Everybody should go check it out. Um... Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, we'll be back next week, uh, next Wednesday. Obviously, we'll have a regular episode of the Thundercrack podcast next week um, on Patreon on Tuesday and then the, the general release next Friday. But uh, we'll have uh, two live streams again next week on Wednesday and Friday. So stay tuned for those and find out who the guests are. I haven't lined anybody up. I've got to figure that out. I'm running out of friends. I. <laughs> uh, but I uh, I'm sure I'll find somebody or we'll start cycling some people back in. Um man, this this uh this whole pandemic thing can't go on for much longer. I I I don't I don't know how much how much more I can keep up this uh, streaming schedule, but I uh, no, I'm fine. I Again, thank you, Carl, for joining me. Thank you uh, to Jason for uh, being in the, in the audience, Jason, J. Samuel, one of our Patreon producers and whoever else was in there. We had a couple other people in there um, over the course of, of this conversation. Um, and uh, thank you to everybody who's listening at home uh, on podcast services later. Uh, this is Mike from the past saying you in the future, you're pretty cool. Uh, thanks for listening. And, uh, That's it for this episode, and we will catch you guys on the next one.